The Urbanist is brought to you in association with the Department of Culture and Tourism, Abu Dhabi. Sadiat Cultural District Abu Dhabi is a beacon of hope and inspiration. A catalyst to spark growth and collaboration with museums and experiences, where art and science and nature and technology coexist. The belief of Abu Dhabi that culture is the backbone of our society. Stay tuned for a special episode of the show, in which you can hear His Excellency Mohammed Khalifa Al-Mubarak explain exactly why and how Sadiat Cultural District Abu Dhabi is the perfect place to collaborate, create, and innovate. Sadiat Cultural District Abu Dhabi, proud partner of The Urbanist on Monocle Radio. Hello and welcome to The Urbanist, Monocle 24's programme all about the built environment and how to make our cities better places to live in. I'm your host, Andrew Tuck. Coming up... In Graz we had for a really long time only men, of course, leading leading us in Graz. And that's a nice change for everyone, I think, to, to keep a feminist agenda in mind. Graz is Austria's second biggest city, and with a population of some 300,000 people, is also the largest city in the European Union to be run by a communist. Elke Kahr from the Communist Party of Austria was elected mayor of Graz in the autumn of 2021, and she chose Green Party politician Judith Schrentner to be her number two. Together, they had a vision of a new and better city that would be fair to all. But they soon discovered that the chaos created by their predecessors was putting a spoke in their wheel. So can red and green grants deliver the welfare services, social housing, climate protection that the pair have promised? In this special edition of The Urbanist, we hand over to Monocle's Alexei Korolyov, who travels to Graz to find out more. Over to you, Alexei. Graz is picture postcard Austria. It's got beautiful Baroque houses that are protected by UNESCO, winding cobbled streets that run down to the River Moor, and up on a hill, a storybook clock tower. This is hardly a natural breeding ground for communism. Yet it was here, 40 years ago, that an idealistic young student called Elke Kahn decided to become a communist. I don't know exactly when the first contact was, 1980, I think. What did your parents say when you became a member? They, they enjoy, uh, <laughs> because my father... <laughs> it's no problem. Elke Kahr was lucky to have such understanding parents. In 1983, when she joined the Austrian Communist Party, or KPÖ, the Cold War was still going strong. Ronald Reagan had just called the Soviet Union an evil empire. Yes, let us pray for the salvation of all of those who live in that totalitarian darkness. Let us be aware that while they preach the supremacy of the state, declare its omnipotence over individual man and predict its eventual domination of all peoples on the earth, they are the focus of evil in the modern world. Austria was officially neutral in the Cold War, but it was crawling with Soviet spies and infiltrators. 
and that made the KPR suspect as well. It was not easy in this time. Ernest Kaltenegger, my comrade, the make-our party growing up, said that when we have an information point in the streets, the people said not good things to us, and some, they, they like us, and die haben sich nicht getraut, mit mm. uns zu reden in der Öffentlichkeit, aus Angst, sie könnten ihre Arbeit verlieren, gesehen wow. werden, das war auch stark. Also wow. damals, das wäre nicht so einfach gewesen. Oder hätten keine Vorrückung bekommen, also die hätten das nicht so direkt gemacht. As if to confirm these fears, in 1989 Elke went on a study trip to Moscow. I was born in Moscow the year before, and in an incredible coincidence, it turns out that she lived just a couple of streets away from where I grew up. It's, it's the uh, metro station Aeroport. Yeah. That's where I live. Uh, really? I live in Planetnaya. Ah, this can be known, because the names are so super. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 the Red Menace is now gone, but communism and by extension, the KPR still carries the stigma. Graz is special because of this, because we know Elkikar and the Communist Party since years. And um, they were here always for people. But when I told uh, to my family that I want the Communist Party, they, they were asking me if I'm insane. Maida Krivograd is vice president of a Graz cultural association called Girls. <laughs> they couldn't understand because of the name, yes. And also, I have also friends in Slovenia, and they were also saying, but you are crazy. I mean, how you can vote somebody who has the name Communistic Party? And in Yugoslavia, ex-Yugoslavia, people who live there, I mean, for them, this is really a bit shocking, you know. The thing is that it was standing always for Stalin, you know, and it's still standing for Stalin, but Stalin was a dictator, actually, you know. Mm -hmm. there, there was nothing in common with communism. Mm. It was only the name that he used. And that's why this connotation of the word communism is so still so bad, you know. I think really this is really special Graz. Graz is special. The KPR has always done well here. But in 2021, even its supporters were surprised. For me, I was a communist before, so <laughs> first time I voted for them and they won. <laughs> <laughs> Lili Jagel is also part of Girls. I meet her at the studios of the somewhat confusingly named Radio Helsinki, where she runs the cultural desk. It's a left-leaning community station, and most of the people working here voted for the KPR. I voted for them before, but yeah, this was the first time they actually won. But I know mostly maybe older people or people who think like, okay, what do I know about communism? Okay, it turned out bad. was maybe a good idea, <clears throat> but it turned out bad, and so they think, okay... You, you have to be crazy to vote for them because look, look at our history. But to see like, oh, okay, let's look um, how much capitalism brought us, yeah? Or um, like the government before, they tried to make things harder for some people. So let's try out the Communist Party, why not? Much of the KPR's success in 2021 and before is down to Elke Kahn. She's been a presence in Graz for years and for organizations like Girls. She's an inspiration and a beacon. Lili Jagel again. We are a feminist, mostly music association, and we are hosting concerts. We are doing DJ gigs and DJ workshops. We are 
busy trying to get more people involved. And for that, to have a, a female mayor, and also with uh, Judith Schwentner, her yeah. second in command, or, I don't know. Um, it's just a really strong message. Just they are two women. I think that's enough. Because uh, in Graz, we had for a really long time only men, of course, leading, leading us in Graz. And that's a nice change of, for everyone, I think. To, to keep a feminist agenda in mind, yeah. I have a very mm. conceptual question. So, as you know, the Russian Communist Party, the whatever you call it, the Bolsheviks, Soviet Communist Party, whatever, at the very beginning, after the revolution, they made an unofficial alliance with culture. They used culture to promote their ideas. Mm -hmm. If you felt that in order for people like Elke Ka to remain in power and to change things, mm -hmm. she needed your cultural help. Mm -hmm. Would you be willing to give her this help? Uh, in the case of Grills Kulturverein, we talked about it and we said that we won't support any political party. We just don't. We don't um, want our association to be um, not, not misused, but no, we, we want to stay out of the politics. But um, personally, of course, I don't think is it such a big difference if you're like, for example, some businessman who says, I give my, my vote to Elke, or if there's like a punk band who says, yeah, go, go, Elke. I actually heard a hip hop song called Elke Car, which was really funny, <laughs> from a Graz-based hip hop duo. And they, they wrote a really nice press release, which said, yes, and we even made a song about uh, the first communist mayor in Graz, and the title is Elke Car, and they are singing like, everything was was horrible, but now everything is great. Elke Car. <laughs> The band is called Philippe and DBDNB. And another line goes, palm trees, sparkling wine and sunshine, that's what communism should be. I first met Elke Kaur a year ago. She was all smiles and still couldn't believe she'd become mayor. The first unglaublich is. Aber dieses große Vertrauen, das die Bevölkerung in unserer Stadt uns gibt, I was very surprised. Since then, there's been another, much less pleasant surprise. It turned out that Graz was deeply in debt, the result of years of overspending by the previous city government of the Conservative People's Party. I think one of the problems of the oldest administration was that they really put all their hopes and efforts into spectacular, huge mega-projects many of them far too expensive. But that's, of course, you know, this is how you get people to like you. <laughs> yes, yes, that's that's why they did it. They, they thought they can create a hysteria, positive hysteria, but uh, in the end it didn't work hmm. because people are far more realistic than some politicians think. Georg Fuchs is one of Elke Kahn's closest aides. He tells me how it's come to this. Okay, in 2003, uh, Graz uh, held the title of cultural capital of Europe and uh, a lot of infrastructure was built for that purpose. We built the Kunsthaus, the 
house for arts and we got a lot of new places in the city like the island in the river, the Muinsel. It was a very expensive project which was with no doubt good for the city. It put it on the map of tourism in many places where grass was, was unknown before. But uh, we spent a lot of money for this year and we still dragging the debts with us. Why, maybe that's a question for the previous administration, why uh, did this situation last for 20 years? Because uh, uh, all kinds of uh, tricks were used, legal tricks, to hide debts, to move things that belong to the city, like buildings from one company to the other and back. <laughs> and uh, it's very difficult to understand Some of these things aren't legally possible anymore because laws were changed on a federal level. Do you think that this has affected the popularity of the party in Graz? No, not at all, because I, I think everyone in Graz always knew that the city was spending too much money and no one blames the new government for a problem that dates back many, many years and uh, we have in fact reduced the debts, but uh, we still have to pay them back and, <laughs> and some of them are due in the next years. To do that we will have uh, to spend less money than we're doing now without hurting education, health and all the important things that the city has to do. One of the areas facing cutbacks is culture and the city's creatives are understandably worried. Uh, hello, my name is Sebastian Höglinger. Um, together with Peter Schernhuber, I'm um, co-director of Diagonale Festival of Austrian Film. It's our eighth year now together um, in this position, uh, but we um, worked at the festival another seven years before that, so it's a long, long time at the Festival of Austrian Film and um, in the inner circle of festival work. And yeah, now here we are. Mm -hmm. The festival started life in 1998 and has since become a Graz institution. Sebastian Höglinger. Graz is a place, um, a very young city, a student city, um, with a functioning inner city. So you have good bars, you have good food, you have this kind of Mediterranean um, climate. So that's uh, what brings people um, to the festival, um, as well as the Austrian films in our case. And um, it's very open-minded as well. Um, we have a big uh, cultural scene where people work together, also gallery-wise and stuff. So um, there are a lot of collaborations possible. And I think we really work to, to strengthen the feeling that the Diagonale belongs to Graz. Because you have to know uh, about 80% of the um, film industry in Austria live and works from Vienna. So it's not um, obvious that the Festival of Austrian Film takes place in Graz, and I think it's really a special, um, special place. Hmm. But are you yourself from Graz? No, uh, we are both from Upper Austria. Um, I, I was, I grew up in Linz, Peter in Wels. So um, we know um, that it's important to bring culture also to places um, offside the capital. <laughs> This year's edition will take place next month, and will be the pair's last as organizers. Peter Schenhuber says it won't be easy for their successors. So we have about 50 persons of private sponsors and, and private public partnerships funding the Diagonale. 
Um, but besides that, the other 50 persons are by governmental institutions like the local fundings and also uh, national fundings. And at the moment, we, we are confronted with kind of a reality check because uh, the city government is about to, um, yeah, to not to be that optimistic about the future in the field of culture. So, of course, we have several international global crises around. But uh, it doesn't seem that uh, KPÖ is very into cultural politics and into supporting the local scene. And that's really a problem and maybe uh, also a first um, disappointment. Mm. Of course, it's um, early days and it's too early to tell. But would you consider, I mean, you were talking about Graz and how important it is to uh, have this permanent attachment of Diagonale to Graz. But if things go really badly uh, in terms of finance, in terms of mutual understanding with the city government, would you consider relocating to another city? <laughs> Honestly not, because <coughs> the, the story of the Diagonale and its success is, is linked to Graz. The situation is not, is not that bad. We can discuss everything and, and we are in dialogue and so on. But maybe there was too much euphoria about the new government and maybe we are confronted with a reality check now. And we have to rethink our own cliches and, and stereotypes. And sometimes you get the impression that the cultural scene is hooked in their Che Guevara teenage days. I'm sure. <laughs> and you, you always have to say it's not the person LKK. I mean, LKK always visited um, a lot of, of these events, also Diagonale, and we are in... in um Sebastian Höglinger. As, as Peter pointed out, um, we are in discussions and there is the possibility to talk. That's not the problem, but it's the whole, um, yeah, it's the focus uh, uh, government is deciding and culture is not on the top. So if it isn't culture, then what is important for Graz? After all, and perhaps I should have mentioned this earlier, Elke Kahr is not going it alone. She has a coalition with the Green Party and the Social Democrats. Back at City Hall, I meet Vice Mayor Judith Schwentner. She's a Green and has served as a member of Austria's Parliament. Um, so I have a lot of work because I'm responsible for um, everything concerning climate um, and climate change, of course. Then the um, building department, um, everything what's concerning city planning um, and uh, traffic planning. My responsibility is quite huge, mm. I would say. Curiously, she's also lived in Moscow though not in Soviet times like Elke Kahr, but in the early 1990s. So I'm not a communist, but I, I think I know the Communist Party quite well. And I knew what it means to be in a coalition with the Communist Party. So I have no romantic picture about that. Um, so quite pragmatic access. Um, but I think, um, especially for Graz, it, it was a chance and it is still a chance. Uh, a chance for change. Um, the voters wanted a change, so they, they got a real change concerning um, the, the coalition. The access for this or the way for this was prepared by the former mayor. So everything what, uh, what he did, how do I say, created the need for change. So this is your polite way of saying that the previous administration made a mess? No, not a mess. Not a mess. Um, I, have a, I have a big uh, respect that a person is mayor for around 20 years because this is a lot of responsibility. Uh, a lot of things succeeded well because we live in peace. We have um, 
queen, but not enough. I think they didn't get this point when um, the city grew quite uh, fast. I think this, um, these little things which make um, the clue for our society weren't in the focus of this politics. So, in your fields, um, what is the biggest, what's the most pressing problem uh, for Graz right now? And it's the same problem as everywhere, it's climate change. So how uh, we can guarantee a good life for the future um, when we know that um, in the next uh, few years uh, cities become hotter and hotter. One key is traffic. Um, it's also a, a question how equal we divide the public space in a new manner uh, to get space for for chairs and for uh, people, elder people, for children and for bikes, of course, and for the uh, public transport, which is the, the biggest <laughs> challenge because it's a very uh, expensive one. Mm. But we made a lot of um, real decisions concerning tramway lines for the city. We planned 800 trees and we promised to plant one tree, uh, one tree a day. So you we exceeded have. yourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's just like um, in the Soviet Union before now. It's a shock. No, but I'm proud because we succeeded to plant trees and it's really, really important to have more trees in cities. So we made a, some really beautiful projects last year. Okay, and maybe one final question. Yes. Well, I was just uh, talking to, maybe you know, there's a um, women's uh, Verein called Girls, and they say that uh, you are in many ways uh, a role model, mm -hmm. you and Elkika. Um, how do you feel about that? Do you want to be a role model, actually? Um, yes, we need role models everywhere, because uh, until we don't have equality in our, in our society, uh, we need it. So, for me, um, I... Uh, I feel it quite every day that it makes a difference. Um, all my um, the fields I'm responsible for are dominated by men. So I think it's really important to have a mayor, a female mayor. We still have more Josefs as mayors in, in Austria than women, so called them surname Josef. So we need these role models and me too, I need role models to be empowered and to feel empowered um, by somebody else and we need these women networks. They do not um, function good enough uh, yet because we are all uh, socialized in this society and we are all living in these behaviors uh, we learn from childhood on and so on. So I think it's really important. I think it's not a, a thing to get a, how to say, orden, a medal. a medal and to walk away with the medal and say, okay, I'm a mayor woman, I'm a vice mayor woman. And it, that's all. Uh, that's just one puzzle to get more equality in our society. And it's important puzzle piece. So where does it all leave us? And is it fair to judge a city government on the evidence of just one year's performance? I put this question to Elke Kahn. What does she think she has achieved? Das Schöne ist eigentlich, dass wir nach einem über einem Jahr sagen können, dass wir viel, viel gelernt haben in den Jahr wieder, weil du lernst immer wieder dazu, dass so viele kluge und She has learned a lot, she says, and helped hundreds, perhaps thousands of people, often by dealing with their problems directly. Just before this interview, for example, she sorted out somebody's electricity bill by calling the energy company. 
She does this sort of thing every day, and that's why people love her. But even among her supporters, there's a growing sense that if she and her government want to deliver real and lasting change, she needs to think and act bigger, and maybe invest some money in culture. A last word to Lili Yagel and Maida Krivograd. So um, for us, I think nothing really has changed. Graz is a beautiful city and come by and visit. But um, in the subculture, we don't have many venues. We can do our stuff. Everyone um, has problems getting proper funding, like I think in every place Mm. where people in the cultural field are working. But uh, I think it's an illusion to think, yes, we have a communist mayor and everything changed now for the better. At least I don't think that that is the case. I think that the Communist Party, they had another agenda, like um, Lily said. But I I think because now it's a bit more than one year that they are on the head Mm. in Graz, I think that they are willing to change something, but they only don't know yet. Mm. And Mm -hmm. that's now on us to show them, okay, take a look also on this side because culture is very important for society and also for people who are working for the cultural field. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe one big thing that changed, they are willing to talk to us. Because the the previous administration did. No, they didn't care. And now I think they are trying to to change something for the better. But this is changing. This is changing. So let's see. Let me end this program where it began, in the main market square just outside Graz City Hall. It's true, on the surface, nothing has changed. It's still the same square it's been for hundreds of years. But then, that's not the point. Even if this new government, these two women, achieve nothing of what they promised, they've already left their mark. First of all, they are doing something and they have big plans for the future. But most importantly, they're open to dialogue. They want to communicate with their citizens. And that can only be a good thing for Graz. For Monocle in Graz, I'm Alexei Korolev. That's all for this week's episode of The Urbanist. If you're not already subscribed, make sure you do so using your preferred podcast provider to get a new episode directly to you every week. And while you're at it, Why not subscribe to Monocle magazine for regular reports on all things urbanism too? And you can do that at monocle.com. Today's show was guest produced by Alexei Korolyov. The urbanist producers are Carlotta Ribello and David Stevens. And to play you out this week, well, here's one of the most famous songs to come from Graz. It's Opus with Live is Life. Thank you for listening, city lovers. When we-